Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you backstage and behind the scenes with the Broadway talent showing up on your screens during the pandemic. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking to Tiana Paris. The actor was in the original cast of Slave Play during its off-Broadway premiere at New York Theatre Workshop, where the play picked up the acclaim and attention that propelled it to Broadway, and eventually earned it 12 Tony nominations. But Paris didn't follow the show to Broadway and one of the reasons why it just premiered on Disney Plus last week. The summer after Slave Play's off-Broadway run, Marvel announced that Paris was joining the Marvel Universe of Superheroes as one of its often-overlooked trailblazing characters, Monica Rambeau. Paris makes her debut in the role in the Marvel series WandaVision, in which she appears opposite Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany, and will reprise the part in the upcoming Captain Marvel 2. Paris is in the virtual studio with me to tell us about going from an off-Broadway buzz magnet to one of the biggest franchises in Hollywood. Hey, Tiana. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Gordon. Thanks for having me. I wonder if we could start off talking a little bit about your connection to the theater, because a lot of people will know know you from your work on screen and like stuff like Mad Men or Dear White People, the movie, and, you know, you're the stuff you've got coming up for Marvel. But, you know, you were in the original cast of Slave Play and you went to Juilliard. I just wonder if you could tell me a little bit about when you first started doing theater, when you first discovered it. Theater is most definitely my first love. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up in public school system and my creative outlet was the drama club. <laughs> so what part the of the country, country was that? Yeah, I'm like in the country um, (laughs) and not like the U.S. country, but like the country, the South, uh, Hopkins, South Carolina is where I grew up. Mm. And um, and so, uh, you know, it's like sports or you're the theater kids or or like, um, you know, cheerleading and dance and things. And I kind of did actually a lot of everything. Mm. Um, I played softball cheerleading for a bit and then with drama club that sort of became the thing that I just stuck with I really enjoyed it it was fun we were you know making sets and um directing each other making costumes it was just fun that was my cup of tea and that's really where I got started in sixth grade uh drama class 
do you remember at what point you decided to uh, try to pursue it professionally to like go to school for it and go for it? Yeah, I remember going, you know, so I, I was in drama class, drama club all the way through um, from sixth grade to 10th grade. Yeah. And in my 10th grade year, um, my mom actually heard she was eavesdropping really um, and heard a teacher and another parent talking about a school uh, for the arts. And it was called the South Carolina governor school for the arts and humanities. And so she started doing her little research and she was like, I heard about this school. You need to go. It's for acting. And the school actually is for um, acting, creative writing, uh, musicians, ballet, and uh, vocal arts. And so it was this amazing program that actually was still a public school. So it was free to go, but you know, you had to pay for like, um, like your meal plan thing or, or in housing, I think some version of that, but I had a scholarship. So, well, yeah, so I kind of jumped my own story. I got in, <laughs> um, got a scholarship and I was able to do my last two years of high school at this art school. It was a boarding school. So I lived there right. and did everything. And so there is where I kind of figured out, oh, there's a craft to acting. And that's where I deepened my understanding of the craft of it all. And, you know, drama club is fun. You just have to get it done. The end result is the main thing. What do the parents and faculty and friends see when it's up on the stage? At this drama school, um, at the governor's school, it became more about the process mm -hmm. and um, what it takes what it takes to get to the end result. So that's where it started becoming um, more serious, I guess, to me. And from there, um, obviously, you know, you want to audition for the big schools. <laughs> and Juilliard was always on my radar since I was a little girl when my dad, who was a huge fan of Robin Williams, was like, well, Robin Williams went to Juilliard, so if you want to be an actor. <laughs> Not that my dad sounds anything like that, but that's how my impression of him right now is. He's like, if you want to be an actor, then I guess you better go there. So that was like at nine years old. Fast forward to the governor's school. It's time for graduation and auditioning. And I, I applied to 15 liberal arts schools and five conservatory schools for acting. And I was like, no matter what, I am going to college. I hope I can go for acting, but ooh, I better try. My uh, guidance counselor was sick of me, let me tell you. Um, so yeah, so I auditioned. I got into a couple of the liberal arts schools. And as far as the drama schools, Juilliard was the only one that took me. So yeah. I was really blessed in that way. Right. And so as then you were starting to uh, begin your career, how did you think about theater factoring into uh, your work going forward? Because you're obviously also exploring, you know, lots of film and TV opportunities at the time also. Right. Um, when I, by the time I graduated from Juilliard, film and TV was still this big mystery, this thing we've never really gotten to do, never really understood. And so I was really excited and drawn to 
the idea of exploring film and television. I've always wanted to maintain my relationship with the theater um, because it is so gratifying and you use such different muscles. And I do think I waited too long, if I'm honest, um, between graduating, between going, being on stage. From when I graduated, I did a play right out of school called Free Man of Color with Jeffrey Wright, Most Def, Nicole Bahari, and some other amazing actors. And then there was a, I don't know, eight, seven year span before I got back on the stage. And I think that it's too long. I would not do it that way again. Um, I think that muscle has to be used more regularly. Um, So just trying to figure out that process. um, That was rough. That was rough. But that actually leads me exactly into my next question, which was what the that experience was for you coming back to the stage for Slave Play, which is a, you know, massive and sort of harrowing role. Um, how did you get involved with that? And what was that like for you after you'd spent so much time, uh, you know, working in one medium or two, two other mediums and then uh, right. coming back to this thing that you'd done so often before? When I read the script for Slave Play, I was, I couldn't believe it. Um, I was like, what is this? Who wrote this? Oh my gosh, I need to be a part of this. Um, It's just so smart and it's so fresh. And I loved how, um, how Jeremy, the playwright was dealing with what it means and what it a different view, a different take on what it means to be black in a white space, particularly when you choose as a black person to be in a, um, to share space with a uh, white body in in this, in this um, instance, it's because they're in a relationship. The play dealt with interracial relationships between black people and white people. Um, and what that Um, experience can be for some and the trauma of our history as Black Americans and what that brings into each relationship, right? So reading it, I'm like, oh my gosh, he is crazy. He is crazy. Who is this guy? And then you meet Jeremy. I don't know if you've ever seen him or spoken to him, but he is a whole character in and of himself. I love him. Um, And so I auditioned like everybody else, you know, in the waiting room, like, oh my gosh, it was crazy. And, um, and then I got it and working with Robert was really a treat because I was a fan of his. Yeah. The director Robert O'Hara. Yeah. Yeah. Director Robert O'Hara. And, um, I remember seeing barbecue with his play barbecue. I love that play, Mm -hmm. but, um, obviously he, his work (laughs) dates back before then. And, um, Mm -hmm. so, yeah, so I, I wanted to be a part of this project. And then once you get into the specifics of what it took to bring, actually bring Kanisha to life, (sighs) it, it was very difficult. You know, it was really, for me, my personal experience is obviously Kanisha, if you've read the play, mm-hmm. she is in a very fraught, delicate, and also a bit volatile emotional space, trying to figure out who she is in this moment as she loves this man who is her husband, this white man, and this relationship, like just trying to like not midlife crisis, but it is a bit of a life crisis, a self-identity crisis um, in a sense. And so when you 
choose as an actor to step into that mental psyche eight times a week, rain, sleet, snow, or shine, it is a, it is a commitment. And I forgot <laughs> what that can physically and mentally do to my instrument and to me as the human being who is, I have to use my body as a vessel to tell Kanisha's story. And so there was that level of it. Then there was the level of um, trekking downtown. It's in New York City downtown theater and it's cold and I'm on the train and you forget how the elements affect your your throat, your voice in your mind. And now my throat, my, my nose is running. And I, I, you, it was, it's the thing you love, but I have waited so long to keep doing it, to, to do it again that I, I guess I got a little spoiled, (laughs) you know, I'm filming television, you, you drive, you go to the stage, you have a dressing room, my own private dressing room. And I, and it was really those very technical things of having to refigure out like how do I stay grounded when I don't have full access to my instrument like my voice is gone I am sick any if I take an Advil how like it literally would affect the performance like um you know the lights start doing a thing and I'm like oh my gosh I'm overheating and you're thinking of all of these things and still trying to tell the story and that is what theater is like that is there is no fucking cut you have to figure it out in real time how do I uh, calibrate my instrument so that I can tell this this woman's story and I I'd forgotten all of it so it was a whole learning process to get back on just to be back on a stage and then couple that with the emotional intensity of Kanisha's individual story and that of the entire play I really set myself up and then on top of that there was a you know a lot of opinions on the play and you know people really loved it or they really hated it and so I was being attacked online (laughs) for things that I'm like this is this is art this is this woman's story it's not fair but I didn't even have the energy to engage with it like I you have to figure out how to keep moving forward so there was a lot going on there was a lot going on yeah and at the same time there was all the sort of in addition to the people you know who hated it there were all the people who loved it and all the people their sort of industry was so excited and that was uh what was your experience of that like you know, that time off Broadway is like, everyone is starting to come see it and all the like, you know, folks are like thinking about it going to Broadway and stuff. Did you, was there ever a time when you would have been able to go to Broadway with it? Was that something you wanted to do? Um, They definitely, I mean, when we were in it, that was not mm-hmm. the conversation. Again, right, right. I, Gordon, I was hanging on by a thread. <laughs> I was trying to get the story told with everything I had, like by the time the curtain dropped on the last extension date, I mm, hit right. the floor when we <laughs> went backstage. There, no, I'm not even joking. I was crying, full of tears. Like it took, mm. it pushed me so far beyond what I, mm. what I knew I was even capable of. And mm. you know, like we were backstage, and my castmates are like, 
we all huddled together and they're rubbing me and like we had to lift me up so we could go take our final bow. But my body just was like, oh, my God. Oh, my mm. God. Because you're carrying Kanisha's weight. You're, I'm carrying my own personal weight of everything. So and, and you know, she that character, Kanisha, really is like the, the, the metronome throughout the entire. She's like a slow it's all bubbling and boiling for her throughout the whole thing. And then it all, you know, kind of explodes for her. But um, as far as Broadway, uh, that came up later, way after we had wrapped, um, as far as I can remember. And by that time, I was already committed to um, to join Marvel. So, yeah, yeah. you know, but yeah. my girlfriend, Jakina, who I also went to school with, uh, yeah. she killed yeah. it. In she the Broadway, sure yeah. uh, and she's also nominated for a Tony, a couple of yep. them. So I'm really yep. excited for them, and yeah, couldn't went to a better woman. I'll have more with Tiana right after the break. And now here's more with Tiana Paris. Let's talk a little bit about Marvel and uh, the what's coming up for you there. Um, when you're, I was curious, just first of all, when you were first auditioning or being considered, um, because it's such a franchise thing and so many characters end up showing up in multiple properties, were you auditioning for the Project WandaVision? Were you auditioning for the role that you were going to play in possibly multiple things? How did that, how'd that work? I mean... As far as I know, let's just say that I yeah. was auditioning for WandaVision. Okay. Um, yeah. I had gotten dummy sides. And mm. if you've seen the first couple of episodes, you yep. know, it'll make. Okay. So the yeah. sides that weren't actually the real sides mm. were sides to represent some of those first couple of episodes. Okay. Yeah. So it was in, you know, it was the different eras and periods. Yeah. And I was just like, Shauna, my agent, didn't you say this was for Marvel? She's like, yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. What is happening here? She's like, I don't know. But they said um, the note to the actors is, is it's okay to be over the top and do too much. I'm like, I don't get it, but okay. So I turned in what I was like, I don't know what this audition is gonna look like. Good luck to me and buy mm-hmm. a tape. See you later. I can't, I can't even, I, I was so confused. I was so yeah. confused. And they yeah. don't give you any context. I didn't, they were, they were, I didn't know the character. It just said like lady, <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's what I did and I sent it off and um, yeah. and I didn't hear about anything for a while. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, by the time this uh, episode airs, uh, our listeners will have seen the first two episodes. So, like, they'll have a sense of kind of what the tonal, like, what as, you know, committed to secrecy as Marvel is, we can safely say that WandaVision is, like, a massive tonal shift for uh, a Marvel project. Like, it's completely uh, out of left field uh, and uh, looks super fun. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, and one thing that is clear from watching that first batch of episodes that I that I've been able to see was that like you guys seem to be having a really great time with it. Is that true? Like the cast just seemed to be really enjoying getting into these like different eras. Um, is that was that true for you? Yeah, I loved it. And mm-hmm. and honestly, I mean, we had a lot of fun on that set. Lizzie and Paul, they are such great leaders. You know, like this is mm-hmm. their baby. They're trying to. Um, 
I was really excited that Wanda and Vision would have this space and opportunity, uh, or Lizzie and Paul would have the space and opportunity to really deepen Wanda and Vision's relationship, and we get mm -hmm. to see more of them. And just as human beings, they were just really nice and great leaders of the mm. pack. You know, like this is you the people who are leading the the show. They matter, like their attitudes, their personalities, and they were fun. And so we really did have a great time. I mean, everything that could go wrong probably went wrong <laughs> in trying to shoot this thing. And so it was like, okay, let's let's keep good spirits. And then, mean, or what kind of, how, I mean, I, didn't the pandemic ha happen at some point well, while you were shooting? So that, <laughs> number there's one, one up yeah. there. <laughs> that's number 563. No, that's right. number one. But yeah. then, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's just like, it's Marvel's first time doing um, a Marvel Studios first yeah. time doing a sitcom, a show, a sitcom, yeah. right? And so I've always said, like, it did feel like we were making multiple movies. Mm -hmm. It didn't really feel like a show per se. And so I think just logistically, mm -hmm. there yeah. were things that it's also fucking epic, you know, it's like all so big. Like, I, I don't know exactly how to put that so much as, yeah, yeah it was like, it was a lot. And yeah. then we finally got to, okay, we fit, like, even like the weather, like there's supposed to be sunshine and clear skies, right? Or at least not rainy skies. Mm. Like the last month in Atlanta, was all rain, cold, freezing. Like, I think we even might've had snow at one point. So we could not shoot. Like you can't shoot, you can't fake sun and or not. You know, that's one thing movie magic can't really do. So it would just be like, all right, when are we gonna shoot? So then finally we finish in Atlanta. It's like, all right, we got a couple weeks break and we're off to LA to finish maybe a month and we're done not happening because right. here comes coronavirus right. <laughs> so yeah. it just became like oh my gosh are we ever going to finish i really want people to see this yeah. and um so even with all of that i'm 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 excited that um it's finally here and yeah. we did finish <laughs> and um i'm proud of the work we did yeah did it it seemed one of the things that seemed like a lot of fun for you guys is the ability because you guys change sort of acting styles as the kind of uh, style of each individual episode sort of shifts yeah. right it's like mm -hmm. you know a person's acting style in like a 50s sitcom is totally different from a 70s or an 80s or a 90s was that fun for you guys Definitely. to play with did you guys do oh. did you do research for that did you you know watch them absolutely yeah. <laughs> yes, we definitely had to shift with each era. Um, mm. And we actually had a, a um, sitcom boot camp with Matt Shackman, our director, where we watched a bunch of um, sitcoms. And like you said, it is it is a difference. Like in the 50s, okay, you have a live audience. So that's a whole other character you add. When you move into like the 70s, you add a laugh track or it might've come before then, but the, the element of a laugh track. Oh, okay, so you say this thing and then you kind of have to take some space to let the laugh track do its thing and, and so things like that. And just physically how the, um, how the performance changes as the decades change as well. Um, 
it was really fun to play with. It was really fun yeah. to play with. Yeah. Um, in general, as you were thinking about your career and stuff you wanted to do in it, uh, was being a superhero uh, on your radar? Do you have any connections to shoot superheroes or did it seem like a fun, a fun acting gig? Um, what was your, what was your connection to superheroes before all this? Um, I have always wanted to be a superhero <laughs> since I was little, just period, point blank. Um, mm -hmm. Who doesn't want to fly and stuff? Yeah. I did. The, I was definitely like also just into characters that kick ass so like the ninja turtles that was my shit that was oh, my yeah. sheets i had some draws like could not tell me i was not a ninja turtle um <laughs> i think i might even had a lunchbox yeah so i've always loved that kind of world about it uh that world and then like in college is when iron man dropped and mm -hmm. I was obsessed. And then I, that's where I became more specific of, I want to be a Marvel superhero. Yeah. Like I have said yeah. that for years. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's always been a thing and I'm really excited to join the MCU as not just anybody, like Monica Rambo is legend in these streets, in these uh, comic book streets. Yeah, tell me, tell me about, because she's one of the characters that I feel like either at, 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 like the general population, like maybe doesn't know who she is. Like you either right. don't know who she is or you're kind of obsessed with her because she's super awesome. Um, tell yeah. me a little bit about uh, kind of when you learned about her and her history and what sort of research you did. Yeah, so Monica Rambo, I learned about her specifically uh, some years back on Twitter mm. because mm. fans started fan casting me as her. And oh, they would tag me in it. Yeah. yeah. This this was at least six years ago, maybe mm -hmm. a little longer now. And so I was like, well, who is Monica Rambo? Because mm -hmm. y'all are really excited about this. <laughs> so I looked her up. And I'm like, oh, wow. She's pretty cool. Just a real yeah. brief, like, let me just see what she looks like, what she did. Okay. Yeah. And um, I was like, well, that's, thanks, guys. But mm -hmm. probably will never happen. You know, <laughs> not yeah. going to happen. Um, and that was my brief introduction to her until um, then Captain Marvel came, MCU's right. Captain Marvel, and they had right. her as a little girl. Yeah. And then once I booked it, I was like, oh, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, Monica Rambo in the comics actually was um, the first female to lead the Avengers and first black female as well. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe only black female. I, uh, I mean, I say only, that. I don't, yeah, I'm not sure either, but yeah. I, I guess it's I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm going to say first, but yeah. I know she is the That's first female correct. to lead the Avengers. Yeah. And um, we'll have to check on the other we'll um, thing. <laughs> we'll but yeah, we'll fact check that. Yeah. Um, but yes, and so she's had a long history with um, different characters in the. Um, in the comics and like for decades really she's been around and so when I started doing research I was like okay well where do I even start so yeah. I started at the beginning um where she her origin story is in Amazing Spider-Man if you want to check that out um and so I just really had fun just learning about who she is and for this specific, for this particular role for um in WandaVision, I was like, okay, she has so much source material 
Um, where, where do I start? And how much do I need in order to tell this story? So I'm still making my way through the comics. You know, yeah. she's been Ultimate Avengers, the yeah. Ultimates, Next Wave. Like she's got a life in many places. Um, and so it became, okay, what can I use right now? And then having watched uh, Kira Akbar's performance in Captain Marvel, what can I pull from what she did uh, with Monica as a young woman? And even those relationships that, um, that Mo young Monica has with her mom, Maria, and um, Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel. So it was just sort of trying to source it all together, see, put it in a place, see what I could use now, what I didn't need at this moment. And then also talking to Matt and Jack and Mary Lovanos um, about what, what else do I not see that, right. you know, you guys might have be privy to that I need right. to maybe start incorporating in, um, in trying to craft who this woman is. So that right. was a really fun process or is still going, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, and it's, we already know that you're uh, going to be playing Monica in Captain Marvel too, which is, is that what you're working on right now? No, I am in Atlanta filming They Clone Tyrone with John Boyega and Jamie Foxx, um, a film directed by Joelle Taylor. So it's really cool and exciting. Um, it's like sci-fi meets get out sort of thing. Um, it's pretty fun. It's pretty crazy. Um, so that's what I'm in Atlanta working on. But Captain Marvel 2 has been confirmed. Um, and so, yeah, we'll see when that happens. Yeah. When one of the things that I always occurs to me as people get involved in something like Marvel, which is this, like, it's this, this amazing acting gig, but it also can be sort of a massive commitment in terms of like, you're not just signing on for one thing, you're signing on for, uh, in many cases, a lot of things. And that will, um, while great opportunities can sort of limit your um, kind of freedom to, for instance, be in another play, like if it's like, right. you know, conflicts with the shooting schedule, was there any trepidation on your part um, on that level? as you were getting into no. this? No, yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, I mean, maybe it's because, I, like I said, I've always wanted to be a Marvel superhero, um, mm. but I do love the other work that I've been able to do. And I, I don't know, maybe, you know, I know you're supposed to sign on for a long time, but I'm trying to think, like, I don't, that wasn't really, mm. I don't know that's, like, it's not like they said, okay, you're gonna be doing this, this, and this, and this. And so I was like, right. had it even a moment to think about it. I signed up for WandaVision. And then, you right. know, there's the opportunity for it to maybe go further, but it was no real, right. I mean, I don't want to say this if it's not true, because maybe I was just like, yeah, I'll do it. But I'm, I don't <laughs> recall it being like, this is 15 years of your life you right, know, yeah. <laughs> to do. So beware. It wasn't right. that sort of thing. It was like, I wanted to do it. I understand how it works. Like I see that people who are in it can be right. here for a minute, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I have, I have time. I've already, we're in it. I'm, I have time to do other things. I'm doing this, this movie. Right. Yeah. Um, if yeah, coronavirus what, hadn't happened, I would have had time to do something else. But um, right. yeah, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll yeah. see. Yeah. So you're working on uh, this film now, and you've got Captain Marvel two coming up. Is there anything else on your plate that we should know about? 
Well, at some point, <laughs> I think um, Candyman might come out maybe oh, yeah, good, one good. day. Yeah. yeah, and that um, that was pretty cool working with Yaya and um, Nia DaCosta, who will mm-hmm. also be working. I will also be working with her in Captain Marvel too. Right. She will be directing yeah. that. So um, that's something that's coming out. Other than that, I don't know. I think that's it. When you said you wanted to try and get back to the stage more regularly, what do you, what's a, what's a good time? How, how long can you, do you want to go before you're, uh, you're back on stage? Okay. So I finished Slave Play in, I think, 2018, mm-hmm. which at this point, that's like two and a half years ago, I think, yeah. which is yeah. crazy to me. So I had said like, hopefully like every three years I could mm-hmm. get back to the stage. But in general, we've all lost a year. Right. Right. So yeah. this time it might be like four, but sure. um, you know, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Um, you, it has to re- be the right thing. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, actually, is what was the nice thing? Are you a new play person? Are you are there a sort of classic roles that you're interested in playing? I mean, the last the the one I just did was a new play. I'm open. I mean, yeah. I like getting to know um, new writers and I, I'm, you know, uh, that process of um workshopping a play and being a part of creating who this character will be. I really do enjoy that. Um, so I'm, I'm totally open to that possibility. And then, I mean, as far as like something classic, there's, there's beauty in that as well. I mean, I haven't really thought about if I wanted to be a, a, a classic or a, a new work. Um, I think I'm open. I think I'm open. It just, when you read it, how it strikes you and again, can I do this mentally and emotionally for six months, a year, whatever it is, um, eight times a week? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, we look forward to whatever it is that brings you uh, back to the stage when we can all uh, safely gather in a room together. And uh, we're I very know. much looking forward to uh, seeing how WandaVision plays out because just the first batch of episodes is wacky and I have no idea where it's going. <laughs> I can't wait. So. <laughs> I can't wait for you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so so much. much. It was great to talk to you. Same. Thank you, Gordon. That was Tiana Paris, now appearing in WandaVision on Disney+. If you like what you're hearing on this and other episodes of StageCraft, I'd really appreciate it if you took the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow our audience of folks who love theater just as much as you and I do. Or tell a friend. You can find past episodes of StageCraft or subscribe on Apple Podcasts and on all the other pod places, including Spotify and on the Broadway Podcast Network, which is another great place to find more theater for your ears. I'll be back in two weeks with another new episode. Until then, find me on Twitter at GCoxVariety. Thanks for listening, and see you soon. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.